You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron Dietrich here, along with uh, Jake Martin from the Washita Citizen, hanging out in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fine job back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. Now join us on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline, our buddy from OCS, Stephen Fitzhugh. Coach, how you doing this morning, bud? Hey, great, Aaron. How are you and Jake doing today? Good. I don't want to set the interview off on a bad tone, but I was just uh, talking to Jake. We were talking about the Cowboys' eight turnovers last night, and I said, well, OCS Ooh. once in a championship game had uh, 10, and they nearly won that ball game. Hey, 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 anyway, how about them Cowboys? <laughs> you think we didn't want to start off with a bad coach? Don't do that to because you know what? That guy gets some blood bowl and steel. So, yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> but you, you almost won, though. You almost won a title game with 10 turnovers. It would have been hey, unbelievable. I got, I, got a, I got a doorstop outside now because of that, you know. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, well, it, it, yeah, but, but but you know what? That that game, it does. It it it, uh, it, it changes perspective on things. That, that uh, One thing that we don't tolerate turnovers is that when somebody has a turnover in practice, game or whatever we got a little blaster machine and they get to stay after and go through that because turnovers cost you so so it it is it, it's uh, that's the name of the game you know is win the turnover war uh, what also hurts of course is uh injuries and i know it's uh been piling up for you already this young season what's that like and how frustrating is that for you guys so far this year well you know that that is a frustrating thing you know that you know, as far as we went into the game, I, I was saying all week six starters out. Well, when I got there and started counting, we actually had seven starters out. But, oh, well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get some of those guys back this week. We we had two start, both starting linebackers were out the other day. We'll get both of them back this week. Uh, one that we've not had play uh, at all yet is a running back, Dylan Dugan, the outstanding young player. He had a hamstring injury back uh, in the summer. And uh, during seven on seven, and so he has been out completely since then. We want to make sure he is completely well. He'll be good to go this week. He is a explosive football player. Is going to again be a great running back for us. I think he'll help us on defense as well. Uh, we'll get an offensive tackle back this week uh, and a defensive end. You know, so we'll we'll get some guys back this week. Of course, again, Panky's out for for seven or eight weeks. Uh, unfortunately, I uh, had a knee injury the other day that. that you know, one of our two-way starters, uh, Garrett Fold, that he's at the doctor this morning, but, you know, uh, just does not look good for him, possible ACL on him, which that would be a season-ending injury, and, and that's tough. You know, that, that's what you hate is, you know, the kids, they, they work so hard, put a lot of time and effort in, and, uh, you know, and then they don't get to enjoy uh, the rewards of all that work. That's That's the hardest part is to see, uh, the pain that they, I guess, just the emotional pain of, of putting all that work in, and and uh, and yes, for us, you know, it's uh, you know, you want to get the whole pieces of the puzzle out there because our offensive line coming into this season, we were looking great. We were looking really, really good offensive line wise. Well, the other day, uh, you know, we had a couple of freshmen out there in the the fire and stuff that, that again, great experience for them. I was real proud of them. They did well, but. You know, experience. You know, we, we uh, you know, Garrett Foles, again, is a guy that has started 
both ways all last year. So again, to to lose his experience, you just don't replace experience overnight. And uh, you know, again, it's frustrating. I know you know you just hate to hate to see that for any young man that's put so much time in. But um, you know, again, we'll get some guys back this week, and and you know, try to get all the pieces of the puzzle put together, and and get out there and get after. I've been pleased with effort. That's one thing, effort wise. Uh, I've been very pleased with the effort. It's just now, you know, getting some techniques and fundamentals corrected. Got a text on the text line here. It says, I watched them all. Gina Giants was the best-looking team that played Saturday of all the teams. Coach, you look at this game. It's, it was a 14-7 to game, and then, of course, they, they score. They come out of the half and score, and then you have two costly turnovers that lead to, to, to short scores for them. You've watched it back already. What was your ultimate takeaway from this game? I thought that was a big difference. Gina's a better football team right now than we were. I mean, they again, they they handled us up front. Uh, off in, their offensive line handled our defensive line. Uh, we never slowed them down. Uh, and so again, that's that's one thing. I mean, you know, again, they they uh, they handled us up in the down down in the trenches, no doubt. But but I agree with you that that let's let's win that turnover war, and it's a different ball game. You know, we had a very, I thought our offense put some great drives together. Uh, we stalled going in uh, that first drive, you know, right there on the 10-yard line. We, we turned it over on downs. And so we had a great drive. Uh, if we end up, you know, cashing in on that drive, uh, there's another touchdown for us. And then, again, the two turnovers. What the turnovers do, that keeps the ball out of our hands where we don't put a drive together and it has that potential to score. But also, so for them, yes. I mean, and they scored three offensive plays in a row. They scored. I think we fumbled the kickoff return, and then they scored again, and then uh, we threw an interception or something. And and so, uh, you know, it happened like they just like that. That that boom, boom, boom. Uh, they hit those those quick scores. But uh, again, yeah, if we could eliminate those turnovers again, is when you look at the score, it goes, man, that's a major blowout. Yeah. Turnovers. Let's take those turnovers away. Maybe we're in there competing better. Uh, but again, looking at film, we played. We 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 had thirteen upperclassmen, junior seniors, that played in that game the other day. Uh, that that were out there on the field. And so, again, we played. That shows we played a lot of young players. And again, very pleased with our effort right now. It's a great group of guys. Hard working. They're tough. Uh, and, and I just I, I feel like we're going to have a great year. Um, again, it's just getting them grow up, correct some mistakes and things like that right now. But effort-wise, that's the biggest thing I want to see right now. We're getting good effort. We've just got to correct some fundamental mistakes that, that I believe we will. We've got a text here uh, on the text line from uh, Bill. With, of course, Bristol leaving, he wants to know, uh, how have you reassigned your coaching staff in, uh, with the assignments now? Who's doing what? <laughs> Well, I tried to tell a few people, you know, Bristow, he ended up coming in town the other day and watched the Jamboree. He was standing down there. I don't know if you were down there or not. We were standing down there. I told somebody, I said, hey, just for the records, I said, Bristow's on the headset, so I just let him have fun today. He's the one that gave up 35 points. I, did, I just <laughs> let him call home. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, no, we, we did reassign. We had, you know, originally last year and years past, we had four on offense and, and three on defense. Well, we did not replace Coach Bristow when he left, and so I moved over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, that's where I, I originally have had my roots, uh, and uh, and it's, you know, I, I'm 
more there is Coach Bentley and Coach Ed. They've both been right there. Coach Bristow, these past uh, several years, Coach Bentley's been here for 10-plus years. Coach Ed's been here for five years. And, uh, and, and, you know, Coach Ed has close to 20 years of coaching experience. And so both those guys have a lot of years of coaching experience. And, again, I spent my first 10-plus you know, years on the defensive side of the ball uh, you know, learned a lot from Sonny Vadrine. Him and I worked together during that time. And then, uh, you know, handed things over to Coach Bristow back in 07, and I went to the offensive side. And so, again, just transitioning back where, where I'm on the defensive side coordinating with uh, Coach Bentley and Coach Ed and then Drew Vadrine, who uh, was our quarterback here back in the, the 90s, uh, won a state championship in 97 over Road Grove. Uh, where he threw six touchdown passes and uh, you know, he, he's a guy the only time he and I have not been together was four years that he was in college. When I first came to OCS, uh, 94, he was in eighth grade. And, uh, again, we've been together, you know, for uh, all those years. The only times we haven't is the four years he was in college. As soon as he got out of college, he started helping coach our quarterbacks and running backs, everything again. Uh, he's been my right-hand man on, on offense, and so he is coordinating the offense. Uh, doing a great job there, continue to do what we do. And, and Tim Mosier still on the offensive line where he's been for 20-some-odd years. And Robbie Davini is, uh, you know, his fifth year, sixth year of, of coaching our receivers and, and has, you know, more coaching years experience than that. So, uh, you know, we've adjusted and, and uh, transitioned and, and, you know, everything's going well there. Uh, so, you know, those are the adjustments that we've made. All right, uh, week one, you're certainly going to have your hands full. I'm sure you've watched it already. Arcadia really put a whooping on Lincoln Prep, 32 to nothing. Uh, Corey Russell, once again, uh, putting on a show there for the uh, Arcadia Hornets. Uh, what's your observation? What's it going to take for you guys to win in the opening week? Well, you said the key word, uh, Corey Russell. Uh, I mean, he, he's a real deal. You know, he was the, he's a senior this year, and uh, two years ago he was the only sophomore uh, that made – first team all state on the sports writers association and and when a sophomore makes all state first team that, that's saying a whole lot and uh again he did that as a running back rushed for over 2,000 yards last year he ran for 1,600 yards he's a very strong back good speed uh he, he will be one of the better running backs that we see this year we're going to see a lot of good ones uh all year long and so uh this is going to be the first test for our defense and facing him, and that's going to be our whole key is is keep him contained, put a lot of hats on the ball. I mean, we've got to get those gold helmets hitting him every single play because, again, he's the guy that they're going to live by. And uh, so that's that's going to be our key uh, is, is don't give up the big play, keep him hand in, keep him contained, make him earn, earn his yards, don't give him anything for free. And, uh, and, then, and then on the flip side, we, we've got to – Take care of the football. Eliminate turnovers. Um, that's that's going to be the key. You'll hear. I'll sound like a broken record saying that all the time, but it, that's what it comes down to: is eliminate turnovers and win that turnover battle. We've got to create some. That's one thing uh, we've not done in our first two outings. Defensively, we have not had any takeaways, and we've got to get takeaways. That's that's going to come again. Be more physical. Um, you know, and, and again, just create those turnovers. And so we gotta, we got that's something we got to improve on. Stephen Fitzhugh, as always, I appreciate the time. I will not mention the 10 turnover game again in another year. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. You guys have a great day. I'll, 
Me I'll, too. I'll try to wipe that. that comment from my memory there that we should talk about that. <laughs> hey, y'all have a great one, guys. Thank you. Me too. OCS uh-huh. head coach Stephen Fitzy. Yeah, uh, I, that still blows my mind. I've, I've never even heard of a 10 turnover game, I don't think. But uh, anyway, yeah, OCS, my takeaways from it, I thought Turner Carr looked pretty good. Uh, they got to finish some drives. They can't turn the ball over like they did. Uh, but Gina, that tech said, I don't know if they were the most impressive team I saw, but they were really, really good, man. That offensive line gets after you. Uh, the trailing Jones kid, he almost had 100 rushing yards against OCS. And uh, Sean Todd, uh, the quarterback, he, he made some nice plays as well. Gina's a really good football team. Um, and that's that's kind of, you know, I was looking at this game going into it going, we know how good Gina is. If OCS can, can compete with Gina, I think we'd all look at OCS a little bit differently. Didn't necessarily happen that way, but you did kind of see that. We saw more than that with Union Parish Evangel. It's kind of the same thing going into that one, going if Union Parish can compete with Evangel, yeah. we'll all think a lot of, of Union Parish. Union Parish not only competed with them, but beat them 14-7. to yeah. uh, More news and notes from the Jamborees coming up, including my interview with Vic Dalrymple coming up after the break. You can weigh in at 888-993-7762. We're back after this. All right, we certainly look forward to week number one in the high school football season. When are we doing uh, top ten games? What are we doing? What's our schedule for the week? I think we should do it tomorrow. Okay. We need to go ahead and get this straight. Um, We could probably do that tomorrow. We could probably do Elite 11 Thursday. Okay. And then do our our predictions for the top ten games Friday. I, I like how we're having this discussion over the air. Getting well, the schedule set. The yeah. teller will join us on Friday. We have Skip Holtz already lined up. He will join us uh, every Tuesday morning around 7.45 or so. By the way, the first inside Bulldog football is tonight at 6 o'clock right here on Sports Talk 97.7. Obviously making an effort. We're going to get it hammered out with uh, Coach Viator what day he will be coming on on a weekly basis. High school football, we continue to look back at the Jamborees. A number of things, and let's start here. Uh, Bayou Jam does a fantastic uh, job of honoring guys that made a huge impact in Northeast Louisiana. You heard from uh, Joey Pender last week, and then uh, I had an opportunity to chase down Vic Dalrymple back in town. Of course, what he did at Oak Grove, just an incredible career. He's now uh, working in West Virginia in the oil business. I had a chance to talk to him about the honor, being recognized by the Bayou Jam officials, also his legendary career as Oak Grove's head coach. It's pretty cool, especially when you look at the list of people that's uh, been involved in this before and been recognized, and just a ton of those guys on that list and real close friends of mine, and in fact, uh, several of them on there I really looked up to when I started coaching and tried to do like they did, actually, so this is uh, kind of a neat deal for me. What did this event mean to you? Uh... I really enjoyed it from the very beginning when it started because it, uh, it gives you an atmosphere to play in that you guys don't get to see every day. Now, don't get me wrong, every Friday night is fun, but uh, you got a different venue here, a little more excitement, more people, so uh, I've really enjoyed it the whole time. How much do you miss the Friday nights or perhaps the relationships with the kids and the coaches? Uh, there's some things about the coaching that I don't miss, but as far as dealing with the boys from day to day, that's you. That's the biggest thing, you know, you miss out a lot. You, that probably won't ever leave because that was uh, kind of the whole gist of what coaching was and getting in there and battling every day and trying to let the guys realize that they have worth and can do certain things. So 
Uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't miss. Do you ever let yourself reflect on how special your time was at El Grove and the success that you guys had? Yeah, sure I do. Every time I talk to one of my old players and they bring up a period of time, those images start flashing in your mind and you think of 10 stories immediately about each person that calls you, so it's a really cool deal. A couple last questions. We talked about it before. What makes Oak Grove so special for a football community? Um, I think we're typical in a sense uh, as far as a community getting behind ball and supporting the youngsters and all, but at the same time, um, I think we get out there a little further uh, as far as uh, committing to you know the youngsters and all that, and that's that's probably what people you know like about us. When it when it comes to whether it's girls basketball or football or baseball or whatever it is, they really get behind the youngsters. And, and they could be having a rock throwing and they show up. Final question: What's it like uh, being honored with your buddy Joey Pender? I tell you what, old Joey, we've been knowing each other a long time, and uh, you know he we referenced and joked over the years about whether we were friends or not, whether friends. But I'm gonna tell you, he's. He's a super friend, and it's been a good run to know him, and, and I, I hope we get to go at each other for several years more. Vic Dalrymple, you look at his numbers, 312 career wins, seven Superdome appearances, four state titles, 19 district championships. Here's the mind-boggling stat, 18 10-win seasons, two-time coach of the year in the state of Louisiana, Vic Dalrymple. Wow. Couple texts here. Richie says, "I'll be at the OCS Arcadia game Friday. Should be fun." Doc says, "Seriously, still allowing the teller to call in?" Hashtag why? All right, I got some unofficial numbers here for the Bayou Jam. I told you Friday night. I thought it was a fantastic crowd. Yes. We knew lead into Saturday. The number of games, and of course, West Monroe Neville, the big draw. Officials guesstimate that they think there was probably around 32,000 there among the two days, which wow. would make it a record, I believe. I think it was 2012 when they had uh, 29,000 for that one-day event. Going over two days, they think they were well over 32,000. 10,000 on Friday, another 22,000 made their way through the gates on Saturday. Sir, I definitely uh, believe it was the most attended. I mean, again, the Friday night crowd was great, and then the Saturday night crowd was even bigger. So. And Gina, I thought they brought a yeah. number of fans. There's a number in Bastrop. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, uh, the Ram fans are back on the bandwagon. They know they got they an entertaining up. and exciting brand of football this year. Yeah, they better, man. Hawkins and that offense, uh, it's fun to watch. So let's go through some of these uh, jamborees real quick. Um I want to revisit West Monroe Neville because we, we talked about it at the start of the show. Haven't really, we didn't dive deep into it. Uh, recap: West Monroe beat Neville seven to six. Uh, the finish was exciting. You had uh, Neville completing a couple of fourth down conversions on that lat. Well, it wasn't their last drive actually. It was it was a, a two minute drive though, um, and the touchdown came when they connected with Max Hunter, former West Monroe tailback. He caught the forty four yard touchdown from Jordan Thomas to bring them within one. It was around 40 seconds to play. Um, they go for two, but West Monroe's Andrew Gleason and Luke Bell got their hands on Thomas, brought him down short of the goal line on the two-point try. Then – felt very similar to two years ago. Just the right. roles have been reversed when West Monroe, of course, went for the two-point conversion and, and got it. it to meet uh, Neville. And at the time, I remember asking Mickey two years ago, were you surprised by the decision, then going for two? He said, no, I would have done the same thing. 
And then this year, what happens? It plays out. Oh, look, if you kick up an extra point there, come on. You can't do that. I, I think everyone in that stadium would be disappointed if someone would go for the tie. No, you got to go for the And lead. then you get the onside kick. You still have life. The, Neville gets the onside kick. Troy Gaines recovered it. Uh, it was Now it was around 40 seconds to play. Uh, but once again, man, West Virginia's defense answered the call and forced a turnover on downs. It was uh, Gleason and Malcolm Moore that combined for the game-winning sack. You look. I think the biggest statistic from this game was Neville started at West Virginia's 21-yard line, at West Virginia's 35-yard line, and on their 48-yard line twice in the first half and still couldn't get any points. That's how good West Virginia's defense played in this game. But other than Cam Wright, thought West Monroe's offense was ineffective against Neville's defense. Uh, Neville's defense was physical and active, and I thought uh, guys like Camion Franklin and, and uh, Hicks, I thought they were very, very good uh, on the defensive on, on the defensive line. So, and the beauty of this is just an appetizer to get us ready for week number yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Um, but, you know, I, I caught up with, with both uh, Mickey and, and Jerry Arledge after the game, and, uh, and talking with McCarty, he, he – he saw some good things from the offense, but ultimately when you're going up against a West Virginia defense, it's, it's tough to grade uh, your quarterbacks who are still in, in, in a quarterback battle. But, you know, Jordan Thomas, Andrew Brister, both still competing. Jordan Thomas got the most reps. Here's what uh, Mickey McCarty had to say after the game. Well, you're playing good West Virginia defense. Uh, they're going to throw a lot of things at you. So, uh, overall, we got to get better offensively, execution-wise. We just missed a couple big plays. Uh, but kids played hard. That's what we want to do. Defense, I thought, played really well tonight. We gave up a big play for the one score. Uh, but overall, really proud of the effort. Something to go on. And on the flip side, caught up with Jerry Arledge, uh, talking with him about, you know, the special teams gave up some big plays, but the West Monroe defense answered the call. Give me a second. Got to load it up. All right. Well, uh, anyway, I, I thought overall – it was what we expected, Aaron. The defenses just were that much better than the offenses. West Monroe has two returning starters on offense. Neville uh, has their offensive line back, but a lot of new skill players in, in spots. And, uh, of course, you still don't have that one quarterback that's kind of won the team and, and taken over. Jordan Thomas, I thought, had his moments. But that first half, I mean, you look at Jordan Thomas' stats in that first half, I think he had negative yardage. Um so, I mean, you look at overall, both offenses are a work in progress. The defense were just so much further ahead than the offenses. Week five, sell that place out? That's going to be difficult yeah. to do. I think huge. what it did was it got a clo- it got close to a sellout. Yeah. I don't know if they'll ever sell that place out. Cause that, that is a lot of people, Aaron. Uh, but that said, if, if any game could do it, I think it would be this one. The biggest storyline had to be, though, what uh, Union did versus Evangel to beat them in a jamboree. I'm looking at the talking points, uh, Shreveport Times uh, story. You know, they're, they're talking about Union Parish uh, controlling the line, the clock in the game in the first half. Second point is Evangel's run sets up the pass. And then, of course, rain on uh, Union's parade. This is just a scrimmage under the bright lights. It says uh, Union Parish fans should not start booking their hotel rooms in New Orleans for the second uh, Who week, said this? Yeah, in the second weekend in December. On the flip side, Evangel Faithful should not look at this performance as an indication that 2018 will be a rebuilding year for the Eagles. 
Yeah. I think we all understand it's a jamboree with scrimmage, but if you're a Union fan, you got to be fired up takes, considering takes you can hang with the Eagles. Yeah, it takes the win out of the cells there, man. <laughs> That's a big win. I thought it was the biggest win of the weekend. Yeah. All right, we got Arledge ready. Here's Arledge on his defense. defense oh, I'm thrilled to death, you know, other than that uh, missed tackle. We had, we, had, we had a chance to make the play and keep them off the scoreboard and uh, – but the good thing is we uh, we rallied and came up big on the two point conversion and uh, we'll take them we'll take one point every night we play every point counts we know that uh, block field goal was big you know I thought initially off the bat I mean they had two or three or four opportunities in that first quarter in that first 12 minute period uh, I think every time they had the ball was inside our 50 and uh, and we came up strong defensively and that. That's what you got to do to win good big football games. And offensive line-wise, we're young. We know that. Uh, Garrett Cummins has, has not had a lot of experience at quarterback. We're going to get better offensively. We- there you go. West Monroe marches forward. Of course, they'll have a big test at home to open up the season versus John Eric. A couple other news and notes. Uh, I certainly uh, – I- I, we thought Oak Grove would just probably listen to Tharp, and that's probably why we shouldn't listen to Tharp that much. Got us again. We just thought uh, Oak Grove would uh, manhandle Mangum. That was not the case, a scoreless game. In fact, uh, the Dragons had a couple opportunities there in the second half to uh, put up the game when he touched down. Could not. Got to give a lot of credit to Oak Grove, of course, for making a stop. And then uh, Mangum missing a 22-yard field goal in the closing seconds. Yes. Uh, a couple texts here real quick. Marcel says, recommendation for top 10 opening week, high school game. Number six, Jonesboro Highs versus number four, Logansport, per Max Pro preseason rankings. Uh, one of few, if any, open and week matchups involving two top six rated teams. Uh, and tonight on 97.7, we've got the Skip Holtz show at 6 p.m., followed by the Broderick Fox, Broderick Fobb show at 7 p.m. And, of course, Skip Holtz will join us on the morning drive tomorrow morning at 7.45. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, the voice of the Warhawks, Nick White, joins us as we look forward to a big week with ULM squaring off against Southeastern at home on Thursday night. We're back after this. Welcome back to the show. I heard that ad there for walk-ons. I believe they opened uh, first day of business today, 11 o'clock. Have lunch out there. Maybe one day we'll go over there, Nick. Uh, Nick. Maybe Nick, maybe Jake, too. <laughs> Don't hold your breath, Nick. It's not like Aaron's going to pay for anything. The voice of the Warhawks, Nick White, joins us on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline. Nicholas, how are you doing this morning, bud? I'm doing great. Aaron, you know, you've got your chance to come to Walk-Ons Wednesday at noon. First Hawk Talk live at Walk-Ons. So uh, I would recommend that uh, all fans get there early. Uh, They open at 11 and uh, get in there. And, uh, yeah, really excited to be out there for our our coaches show, sitting up with Coach B. And uh, and that'll be one day before kickoff where we uh, crank this thing up. See what an easy transition that was, how I set Nick up like that. It's great when a plan comes together. Yeah, I, I know. They, amazing, right? I wish the Cowboys could say the same thing. Let's start there before we get to the game. Oh, week. Uh, well, what's we up with to? your boys, man? What, what happened last night? Ooh, good. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of play, you know, uh, starters playing, you know, especially offensively. And I think that's a good move. I, I'm sitting here and I'm watching these preseason games and, I'm just sitting there wondering, not 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 just with them. Why, why is Drew Brees playing? You know, Saturday we know what he can do. Like I understand you want to get some snaps in there, but I think this this is just man. You see you see Marquise Lee go down the other day for the for the Jaguars, and 
uh, you see, you know, other play and injuries are, are part of it. I get it, but man, if you got established players, why put them out there in these preseason games? And um, you know, find, find out some other guys to fill some plugs, fill some gaps. I mean, you know, for example, Cowboys losing Xavier Woods last week probably won't, and that was a, a hamstring injury. He was playing really well, but that's their weakest area is safety. And, and then, you know, uh, Kayvon Frazier goes down yesterday. Now, thankfully, it looks like uh, he's going to be all right. But, I mean, wow. You know, I mean, what, what do you do? And uh, I thought the defense played really good. I mean, you're going back out. You're constantly out there on the field. Eight turnovers. I mean, you were talking with Coach Fitzhugh earlier. And, and by the way, I mean, why, why are you going to bring up that state championship game, Aaron? Come on, man. That's what I, that's what I do, man. I like wow. That's not even a punch to the gut, man. That's just wow. That 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 cuts deep, you know. But um, I mean, they had eight turnovers last night, and yeah. you throw Cooper Rush out there to the Wolves and let him try to go, and he has no offensive line out there. And I don't, I don't take a whole lot, you know, from it. I guess. I mean, I'm not sitting here panicking, but um, yeah. and and they, you know, I won't see him Thursday. I'll I'll be busy. Not, I really don't care to watch the fourth preseason game, but. Uh, more concerned about you know that opener at Carolina uh, coming up in two weeks, and you know I, I was encouraging to hear Collinsworth uh, mention how good Zeke Elliott looked. Uh, why even put him out there? They haven't. They're not going to. You know Dak. I think he's he's looked pretty good in his his limited time out there in the preseason. Uh, you know, really, it looks like Zach Martin's going to be back, but uh, Travis Frederick uh, probably will not. And, and you know, it's really not a football issue. Uh, with this uh, disease that he's dealing with. So that's going to be big. You know, I hope Looney can get in there and, and shore up the offensive line. Uh, you know, saw some stuff last night. Randy Gregory might be back in trouble again. I'm shocked there. I mean, wow, they never saw that coming, right? And uh, But the rest of the defense looked pretty good, and uh, let's see how they, they do here in a couple of weeks. All right, let's dive in. It is game week, ULM yeah. versus Southeastern. First of all, the fact they play on Thursday night, an opportunity to get a number of fans out there. Uh, first of all, how excited are you that they move this game up and, of course, a way to kick off the uh, season in grand style come Thursday? I love it. I lobbied for it uh, as soon as I saw the schedule. And you know, I just think that needs to be uh, what you do. I mean, I think you get an opportunity to open up at home. It's Labor Day weekend. I mean, you've got to capitalize on the opportunity to get the students there. and uh, You really don't have a whole lot of high school football going on. Uh, in week one, I know there's a couple of games. St. Frederick is hosting Darbell Woods. But um, I think it's an opportunity to, one, you know, capitalize on the students, and, and you really got to market heavily. And I'll give them a lot of credit. I think they've, they've done a, a really good job of, uh, you know, encouraging involvement with the students and trying to get them out there because they're going to make the difference. Uh, you're kicking this thing off at 7. People have time to get off work and still go out there. So, and it, it's leading up to a, to a, a long weekend. So uh, I think it, it's, it's a great thing to do. Uh, I lobbied for it heavily uh, to, to, for that to happen, and um, I'm glad it did. And now, you know, and, and you, get, you get a couple extra days rest because your bye week, you don't have a bye week you know, till, till down the line. I think October 27th is the bye week. So, I mean, you get a couple of extra days to get ready and be able to watch, you know, Southern Miss and scout them a little bit. That's a big game, and then you got A&M. They're in week three, and then Troy coming back. I mean, this September is really, really tough for this football team. So 
take those extra couple of days, get your rest, and uh, one, hopefully you, you get a win. I mean, can't overlook Southeastern at all. I'm actually, uh, you know, got got a ton of stuff spread out on my table right now and, and getting ready for them. And, you know, they got some transfers that are coming in. So you better not overlook this team. You got an alum and Frank Selfo coming back, his first coaching head coaching job and as far as the college level. And, you know, he's, he's going to want to go and uh, – and, and show them what he's made of. So, uh, and I guarantee Coach V and the staff—they're not overlooking him at all. So, uh, great move. Looking, looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I'm always looking at the weather as well and making sure that's going to be good. And uh, hopefully, it'll be a great atmosphere uh, out there at ULM. All right, Nick. As you start prepping for Southeastern, what have you learned about him so far? Uh, well, get, getting info on them has been challenging. Uh, let's just put it that way. And I'll try to be as, as nice as possible. Um, as I mentioned, they, they have you know some transfers, including a former uh, ULM player in uh, Kyle Kyle Nevels that uh, is going to be shoring up one of the, the middle linebacker spots. So uh, you look at, at him, uh, you know, quarterback I think is a, a little bit of a question mark uh, there for them. Whenever you, you look at, at kind of what they have coming back uh, in there as well, but um, you know I, I see a lot of familiar names. Uh, on their staff. Of course, Selfo had, had some time at Tech, and you see guys like uh, Terrence Calais on their coaching staff, Ross Jenkins uh, on their coaching staff. Those two guys played at Louisiana Tech. So uh, you see that, but uh, you know, whenever I, I'm, I'm going to sit with the coordinators today uh, after the press conference and obviously you know get some info at the press conference, talk with Coach V a little bit as well. I think there's a lot of unknowns here. I mean, it's a new staff. Uh, there at Southeastern, you know, with some of the personnel changed, uh, changing up. And this is where we go back. I mean, you, we were just talking about the high schools. They, they have a scrimmage and a jamboree to kind of, you know, figure some things out before they kick it off week one. The NFL gets four preseason games before they kick it off uh, and crank this thing up. College, you don't. And so whenever you have a new staff, uh, there's always some scary things that, that you have going in there, the unknown, and, you know, the pressure squarely on – on ULM in this, whenever you're playing an FCS opponent, and so uh, I guarantee you, uh, they've got their full attention, and uh, you know, hopefully they'll they'll be ready to go and take care of the Lions on Thursday. Hey Nick, tell me this: I know you're always excited for a ULM game, but this is the start of this season. There's a lot of hype building. Is there a different type of excitement for this season? Yeah, I think so. I, I really, you know, and I go back to even 2013, you know, coming off of, uh, of going to the bowl and, you know, you know what they did like that year and you know, just a, a really special year for them. And, you know, there was a lot of hype going into 2013, but uh, I don't know if it was, it was to this magnitude. So, uh, and, and look, if, you, if you've been out there and watched them offensively and some of the scrimmages and some of the practices, you have every reason to be excited. I mean, uh, they 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 are so loaded there on the offensive side of the ball, and you know they got any number of, of eight to ten receivers that can get out there and, and go and, and make some plays. And Caleb Evans is uh, you know, coming back with some phenomenal numbers last year and running back. Um, so yeah, I think I, you know, buying into the hype. I, I don't know if you go you know that far, uh, but I think that there is significant excitement. And, uh, and there should be. I mean, you know, the, they, this is Coach V's third year, and some would say he might uh, be have them ahead of schedule. And I think whenever you look at where this team uh, was whenever he took it over, I'd say that's a, a pretty fair assessment. So uh, year three, there's a lot of excitement. 
and uh, they're, they're, you know, a lot of folks are, are talking about it and getting out there. You got the new uniforms, which I think look fantastic, and, and just you know a lot of lot of really cool things that are uh, you know hopefully going to come together and culminate with a, a big W starting out on Thursday. Yeah, against Southeastern, is this matchup? Is it more about the Warhawks than it is about Southeastern? And then when you talk about ULM, does it start with the defense and how much better they'll be this year compared to last year? Yeah, and I think they will be better. I mean, I think you you, you got some guys that that have come back uh, that are, that are there and you know that have some experience. Uh, some people that some guys, some young guys that, that you know had to play probably more snaps than they they probably anticipated or needed to. But uh, I, I think they're going to be better. To, to what extent? I, mean, I can't tell you that. Um, I, I think anytime you have an explosive offensive football team. I think this is across the board in, in college or, or the NFL. Uh, you know, you, you, and, and let's not forget, you've got an explosive, explosive kick return game also. So, I mean, you're, you're throwing your defense sometimes right back out there. I mean, you love to score points, but and, and you're never going to say, hey, you know, Marcus, don't, don't return a kickoff for a touchdown. Don't get a punt return. Marquise McCray, you know, don't, don't return that thing for a touchdown. But um, you've got to realize you're throwing your defense right back out there also. And so – uh, there, there can be some some challenges, but uh, I think they've simplified a lot of things. Uh, whenever you look at what they're doing, uh, as far as their their sets and their terminology, so uh, and, and they got a lot of guys coming back. You know that some freshmen and, and some seniors sprinkled in there that uh, you know have have some skins on the wall, and and they've been chewing on you know here and how bad they were defensively for for all these you know all these months. What eight months now? They've been they've been sitting there and hearing how bad they are defensively. You're terrible. You're not any good. And I think these guys got a lot of pride, uh, and they, they want to show that they are better than what people uh, thought they were, and, and what the, the numbers said they were last year. And so they're going to go out there and, and try to give their best effort. It'll be challenging early in the first month, as I mentioned, with those teams that they've got on the schedule, including Southeastern. But uh, I, I got a feeling that, that you know through the first uh, third of the season, you, you will see some improvement on that side of the ball. Good stuff, Nick. We look forward to uh, listening to you Thursday night. Hey, a trivial uh, question. Uh, with the maroon jerseys, what color pants will they wear with those come Thursday? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I imagine we'll find out uh, here in just a little over an hour. They usually put right. the, the uniform up for display uh, whenever they go to the press conference. So uh, I, I've not been privy to that info, but uh, we'll, I guess we'll find out in a little bit. Good. I stumped you with one question. That's good. Mission you did. You did. Thank good you. job. All right, buddy. All right. Take care. All right, guys. Thank you. I I think they're white. I heard gold. Really? Well, in the in the display on the, on the glass, it's white pants. I don't know if that's. I don't know. I hope it's white because the white looked good. The white pants with those maroon jerseys. Well, not all maroon. Uh, Too much. Uh, I'm not a. I had to see it. I don't think I'm a, I'd be a fan of that. But with the white pants, yeah. You're all in with the New Jersey. I love them, man. Yeah. They're, they're just, uh, seriously, I'm not exaggerating. The biggest upgrade in college football this year, ULM uniforms. I'm, I'm, I, I did not like what they wore last year. Did you notice they, they got wearing. some issues, though, at Malone Stadium? How do you replace that uh, logo at midfield? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have been uh, – yeah, I, it's part of it, but when the field costs that much, yeah. man. Well, just cut out the middle. Just cut it out, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's that easy. 888-993-7762. It's the Darren Moody State Farm hotline slash text line. We wrap up the show with our parting shots after the break. 
All right, I got a couple things I want to go through. I, I, I want to start with this because the Bayou Jam continues to be a huge success year in and year out. Obviously, uh, going to two days this year, uh, Friday, a magnificent crowd out there. We knew Saturday they'd draw a number of people through there. Uh, Bayou Jam officials uh, now estimate somewhere maybe over 30,000 for the weekend, uh, which is fantastic. I look at this, though, and I see so many faces out there are familiar faces. They're familiar faces on Friday nights, but they are not faces that I see on Saturday out at Malone Stadium. And whoever the new AD is at new AD that they bring in at ULM, this will be continue to be an issue with them, marketing, and how you get those fan bases in these high schools to, of course, make it over there on Saturday. And I don't know how they go about doing it, but you have an opportunity like they did this week on Friday and Saturday, get those people on campus. And I think everybody that goes through the ULM campus and they see the improvements they've done, it is beautiful out there. And nobody can deny that. And there's a vibe in the Grove and the things that they have going on. Now, how do you market that, and how do you make that work from Friday to into Saturday? Because these are football fans. Can, can I say something? I, I'm not going to give you a number, but I think they're going to have a good turnout Thursday. I think they will, too. I think the more Thursday night games, the better, honestly. Thursday night, you have this situation where it's Labor Day weekend. You're eliminating all of the excuses you can't. You're not going. You're not staying at home to watch LSU. Mm-hmm. You're not leaving town to go celebrate Labor Day because uh-huh. you likely have work Friday. You're in town and the students, and the students, and on top of all of that, what we just talked about with Nick, there's an excitement yeah. in the air with ULM, and quite honestly, offense sells tickets. Okay, I, I agree with that. And last year's offense was fabulous. They were fun to watch last year. Yes. That did not work last year. I understand though. that. But you're coming off they were coming off of a four win season. Yeah. They were still struggling yeah. on the scoreboard. They, or in the win loss column they were struggling. So fans see that this is still a losing team, even though it's an exciting product. Now every I would say most football fans know that year three is always the year for coaches. It usually takes a coach three years, and their in their third year is usually when you see the biggest turnaround. This is Viator's third year. This is an offense that has gained a lot of experience, an offense that was ranked nationally last season, and it's mostly everyone back. So people have heard us talk about this all summer. Yeah. Not only us, Sean and them have talked about it, you go, I mean, it's been written about it in papers. It's been on telecasts. It's been everywhere. The hype has been out there. The buzz has been out there about ULM. So the fact that they, they, they rescheduled this game to a Thursday night where you're eliminating those excuses that people are going to have, I really do think they're going to have a good turnout. And guess what? If ULM goes out there and lights up the scoreboard, Marcus Green makes some incredible plays, Caleb Evans dazzles the crowd, I think you're going to get a lot of those people to come back. So I know this is always a big a big story every year. I just feel like we might see a change this year, and I think it starts this Thursday. Now, I could eat my words. We could get out there Thursday, and it could be a ghost town. I hope that's not the case, but I really do feel like it's going to be a good crowd Thursday. They need to find a niche in the market. But I also, we heard from Nick Bruno, he says it's all about winning. I think there has to be more than just winning. You have to market your product. And they've done a better job of that. And, of course, they've listened Two fans out there and said uh, ticket prices were too high, and they have certainly done things with that. Yes. I heard numerous times Friday and Saturday, flash sale on season tickets. So hopefully some fans that made their way out to the Jamboree this past weekend took advantage of those flash, flash sales 
and bought season tickets for ULM or at least bought some game tickets. I guess what I'm trying to say is you're not having to work. The, the school is not having to work extra hard to create positive news. We're freely handing out that positive news, positive buzz. Years past, we wouldn't be talking this way. But it's because we've seen the progression on the field, and we see that it's the third year. We see that it's a lot of people back. And what they did last year, we think they're, it's all going to come together for a, a, a six-win season or so. All right. You get an estimated 32,000 for scrimmages, jamborees, and the high school ranks over two days. Isn't it fair to assume that you should be able to draw 16,000 for a home opener? I, yes. Yes, it is. Will they? I don't know. But you've seen that people in this area love and support football. Yeah. On so, Friday nights. On Friday nights. So I would like to see that translate, you know. Uh, and, and, again, it's not like it was moved to a Friday night game either. You're not competing with high school football. You're competing with, with one high school game. But, seriously, there are no excuses. I, I think if you want to set at 16,000, I would love to see um, the attendance reach that far. What was a bigger publicity stunt this weekend, the boxer that quit before the fight or Michelle Beadle coming out with those controversial statements and then, of course, getting moved off the show immediately? It's definitely the boxer. It wasn't a publicity stunt for ESPN, even though you I said mean, bigger. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, Beetle was me and you. You and I are talking about Beetle. Everyone's Nobody talking about that the boxer. boxer. The boxer thing was crazy. I'd never seen that before. Uh, they say it's never happened before. Yeah. So you then you see it. Uh, they go through the introductions, and I, I think his name is uh, Curtis uh, Harper. Was the guy that walked out? He was fighting a guy that just looks menacing, to say the least. Before the bell rings, he literally walked out of the ring. He yeah. wasn't happy with the money that he was getting for the fight. I, I just, <laughs> man. So now he gets nothing, probably. Well, I he's hope. probably retiring now. <laughs> Who would ever book him for a fight? It would have been a great publicity stunt, though, for uh, Mike Tyson back in the day. Nobody wanted yes. to fight him. Yes. It would have made sense back in the day. Uh, Kamala joins us on the hotline. I can only imagine he's got a parting shot for us. What's up? Did the guy get an attendance? Uh, attendance uh, bonus just to show up. I don't know. Yeah, look, What's up? Aaron, you've lived here a good while. Okay, you got you got dip, four di different demographic fan bases you're dealing with out of out of the Monroe area. Uh -huh. uh, Seventy-five to eighty percent of the people that live on the other side of the river mm -hmm. in West Monroe are tech fans. Okay, you have the people that are the Gremlin fans. You have the people that are the LSU fans, and then you have the people that are the ULM fans. Well, if you take, if you say 50% of the people go out and do stuff, so you, oh. you've narrowed it down to where you, your, your chances to catch the fish, even with a big net, are, are, are gotten smaller. Mm. Uh, that's so that's you, the problem. So it's a losing battle then. Well, I hadn't. I mean, I hate to say it, but hadn't that dictated itself pretty much the last? Uh, 15, 16 years that this has been going on. But you had the people show up against Baylor. And I know that's a different circumstance, but in, in a way that shows that if you put together a really good product, people will come. We've seen it before. Okay, so the Baylor, the Baylor game was uh, a hyped-up anomaly, and hey, it was Baylor. Okay, and you had... You had, if, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Colton still quarterbacking then? Correct. Okay, so you had a, a known commodity in a quarterback, and you had a known 
uh, team bringing in a big a, a big deal, and and they you know they did that right. That was a great deal. But on on Saturday, I mean, the biggest experience, and I'm out here right now, actually working on a piece of equipment at the L Club, and I'm looking at the Grove right now. How ironic that that beautiful thing that is the biggest draw, what people look forward to who come out here, they're fixing to get rid of it. But that's now you talk about making it harder to sell. I mean, it's you know it is what it is. I, I hate it for them. And what what what, the, what is the situation? What 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 can be done to make to make that situation get better? I I don't know if if honestly if even consistently doing a little better in the win loss. Is going to bring about twenty five to thirty thousand people consistently in this stadium. You know, every every sport is got, has a declining, you know, deal uh, with the internet and TV, and plus, you know, everything's on TV now. So everything has has less and less people to, to go do it. And you know, we're not we're not financially blessed in this part of the of the, of the country like other parts are. I mean. You know, our lows are never terrible, but our highs are never big. So, I mean, you, you take all those things into it, and I, I, I just, I don't know. You at a certain point, when do you say you're, you're, you're spending spending good money chasing bad money? Does that make sense? Yeah. Kamal, appreciate the time. Thanks for listening. Good call. Yeah, good points for Kamala there. I'll, kind of tying into what he said, I got a text here. I watch high school games because I know the guys. I know like three at ULM, which is more than usual. Mm. Kind of goes back to the marketing thing. And that's always, things that they've been trying to do with the you know the thing they had at West Radio Road a couple ads weeks ago. Yeah, the radio ads. You hear the the players on this station right. numerous times. So yeah, it's a working problem. And, and Kamala brings up a great point about the the TV internet. That, look, that's not just ULM. That's literally everybody. That's 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 what's hurting everybody right now because it is so much more comfortable to just sit at home and watch every game. It even hurts the big boy like LSU. It does, sure does. You got a uh, parting shot? Or are you done? Uh, well, I think we're out of time. Okay, uh, tomorrow we got a uh, Gus lined up at eight o'clock, of course, for his weekly visit. We'll talk about the Saints, and of course, Skip Holtz will join us for a Louisiana Tech report coming up at seven forty-five. Our high school previews will continue. Yes, top ten games. The Edge. Up next on Sports Talk 97.7. Thanks for listening. We'll yell at you bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.